2: Good morning and welcome to Community DC, I'm your host Dennis Glasgow. This morning subject matter isn't easy to talk about but we have to and that's suicide prevention and died by suicide. Very hard things to digest whether it's happened or not in your family or friend groups. But with all of that said there's good people out there like Ellen Shannon, who's the executive director for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention National Capital Area Chapter. We cover a lot of ground in this interview, so I hope you stay with us the entire 30 minutes to learn more about suicide prevention. And if you or your family member or a friend is in distress, please text HOME to 741-741 or dial 988. Here's my conversation with Ellen Shannon. Good morning, Ellen.
1: Good morning. How are you?
2: I'm well, thank you. And uh, for those that, uh, you know, have not been introduced to uh, Ellen Shannon before, uh, she's had a great relationship with uh, Bernie Lucas, my predecessor for the show in Community D.C., and we want to keep that mantle going by speaking with Ellen regularly uh, with the American Foundation for uh, Suicide Prevention and a really important foundation. And Ellen, I've shared this with my audience before that I've got a 20-year-old. And uh, our daughter's our only child. So uh, we know all about, you know what we're about to talk about, a very serious subject when it, when it comes to suicide prevention because her peer group and the mental health challenges are real. I can speak from that from a personal standpoint as a parent and what's happening with my daughter's peer group and uh, her friends and all that's going around, uh, the mental health challenges and what we've been through the last two and a half years with COVID. And it's all a real thing. So I first want to do a re-education for maybe our listeners who have not had a chance to meet you before and all the great work that you and your staff do. So please tell us a little bit about the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention.
1: Of course. So we here at the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, we are truly the leaders in the fight to stop suicide. We are an organization that's been around for 35 years. We, we were founded in 1987, um, frankly, to answer the question of why do people die by suicide? We know that suicide is a leading cause of death in the United States. And we know that if we can answer that question, particularly through research, we can, we can save lives. And so AFSP, we have a nationwide presence. We have 74 chapters in all 50 states, plus the District of Columbia, as well as Puerto Rico. And we serve our mission in four main areas. One, we are the largest private funder of suicide prevention research globally, and that's so incredibly vital. And then from that research, we actually develop educational programs and loss and healing programs and services for survivors of suicide loss that are all evidence-based. And through our chapters, we're able to bring those programs to our community at no cost, which is something we're incredibly proud of. So we know that if we can get education out there and we can support survivors of suicide loss, we can absolutely save lives. And then of course, the fourth area where we fight suicide is through our advocacy efforts. And we have thousands and thousands of field advocates, which are everyday volunteers, Um, who partner with AFSP to work with our elected officials at the national, state and local levels to advocate for mental health, suicide prevention, and to ask our, our representatives to make mental health and suicide prevention a priority and to help us create a culture that is smart about mental health and to pass laws that will certainly
2: save lives. Okay, speaking of education, you might have noticed that Ellen used a couple of words that maybe you're not familiar with, and I think this is really important when we talk about suicide prevention. And uh, you've got it clearly on your website, and I've talked with my daughter about this too, Ellen, but there are some do's and don'ts as we move forward, and this isn't about political correctness, everybody. This is about just using the proper vernaculars of 2022 and when it comes to suicide prevention. So, if you could for us, Ellen, maybe go over some do's and don'ts just so parents out there there and people that are listening to our program today can get a re-education about the proper vernaculars to use?
1: Of course. So one thing that we know is that through research, it's shown us that suicide is preventable and that can be done in a number of ways. And one of those ways is, you know, allowing our population to really understand what suicide is and to look at it as the complex health issue that it is. And so one of the things that I hear so often, um, and and I think it's really built in our vernacular, and I I think most times when people use this term I'm about to mention, um, there's no malintent. That's not what we're talking about here. But I think that we have a history in our culture of using the term commit when talking about suicide. And if you really think about it, we're talking about a complex health issue. And so you would never say someone commits cancer or someone commits heart disease. And when we typically use the term commit, we're we're talking about a criminal act. And again, this is a complicated health issue. And so we should talk about it as such. And so we really recommend that instead of using the term commit when talking about suicide, to alternatively use terms and phrases like died by suicide or killed him or herself or, or themselves, Um, just because we need to be talking about it, what it is. And when you use the word commit, sometimes, you know, that could really um, attach stigma to this topic. You know, and and, and stigma is such an important thing to talk about when talking about mental health, suicide prevention, because stigma can certainly prevent someone from seeking help. And also can prevent someone from reaching out to someone that they're concerned about. And so, the more that we can break down stigma in our everyday words and phrases, the more we can create a culture that's smart about mental health. And it certainly, you know, give people the opportunity to share their stories, to reach out and provide support. You know, it's okay to not be okay. And so, the more we can do that, you know, just in our everyday lives, it's so incredibly important. And so, that's one of the ways that we can do it. Um, we also worry about you know things like contagion. Um, so you know, following a suicide or when talking about suicide or sharing one's stories, we always want to make sure that we're doing that safely and so and, and certainly respectfully as well too. So we also recommend that people avoid sharing information about lethal means or how someone died by suicide. Um, it's it's not really important in the story saying or story sharing um, as one side of it too, but you also never know who's listening and how they may have been impacted by suicide in their own lives or what they're personally experiencing. So we want to stay away from using imagery, sensationalized words, phrases, things along those lines, and and sharing detailed information about lethal means just to make sure that we're protecting one another as well.
2: I also did want to talk to you a little bit about data. And uh, unfortunately, you know, the when you're in this kind of a nonprofit, when it comes to suicide prevention, you know, data and the statistics are a really big thing. Uh, as executive director, I know that the national capital area and the DMV are really important to you, but also the entire United States, and then there's worldwide figures. But I did want to throw a couple of figures for uh, uh, facts about suicide in the United States, and then maybe you can talk about the DMV a little bit, so that can uh, give a little bit more of a, a clear picture to our listeners. But right now, suicide is the 12th leading cause of death in the United States, and I did not know that. And that's extraordinary itself. And in 2020, over almost 46,000 Americans died by suicide. And also in 2020, there were an estimated 1.2 million suicide attempts. And once again, these are extraordinary numbers. Uh, We're usually talking about the highest rate of suicides are middle-aged white men. And uh, men died by suicide uh, 3.88 times more than women in 2020. And I could go on and on about this, but they're just extraordinary statistics that when you hear them out loud, uh, you kind of gasp. because it's, you know, if it hasn't touched your family, your lives or anything like that, it's it's already shocking numbers. And when it does hit close to home, it's even more shocking, and, 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 and we'll talk about that, too, and social groups and how to deal with that and other families that have gone through this that uh, you, you'll be able to relate to, uh, thanks to all the good work that Ellen and our staff do, but Ellen, if we could talk now about maybe the DMV and statistics that maybe the data that you can share, uh, uh, just as up-to-date up as you can for us, just to give us uh, some enlightenment about what we're, what we're dealing with here in the DMV.
1: Well, just like the the United States, you know, suicide is a leading cause of death in in, in the DMV, as well as the Commonwealth of Virginia. And we also know that it's preventable here. And we also know, and additionally, that not every population is affected equally by suicide. Again, you're going to hear me say this time and again when talking about suicide is that it's a complicated health issue. And so there's no one reason why someone dies by suicide. There's always converging risk factors that that come together to create a moment of crisis. And crisis moments are actually temporary. Uh, They can last a matter of minutes um, to a few hours. And so really having protective factors and, and interventions during that time period is so incredibly important. And so we really try to look at suicide risk in particular, um, not just in general statistics, like what we're looking at nationwide, but we're also looking at different populations and how they're impacted uh, differently. So for instance, um, you know, looking at suicide rates in 2020, which is the most recent year in which we have data, we know that the overall suicide rates in the United States um, actually decreased for the second year in a row, um, which 2019 was the first year in the United States in which suicide rates started to decline in more than 20 years. And of course, we were very concerned when 2020 came along, and we, we all know what happened in 2020. We don't need to, to relive that. But you know, along those lines, we were very concerned about what were the CDC's you know, numbers that were going to come out for suicide rates in 2020. And fortunately, when we saw those numbers come in, um, the rates did continue to decline overall. However, not every population um, was affected even like, equally. Um, and so, uh, for example, um, the black population, as well as the, the Hispanic population, suicide rates actually increased and younger females as well. And so we, we really are trying to look at this from a number of ways in order to help all of these different populations and serve them in a variety of ways. And so we have a lot of programs that we have to offer various populations locally through our chapters here in you know, Northern Virginia, and D.C., which is what National Capital serves. But also, like I said, we have 74 chapters across all 50 states, D.C. and Puerto Rico. So no matter where you're listening from, if you're streaming from across the country, you can go to AFSP.org and connect with your local chapter and find these resources and programs online as well. Um, But we're really trying to educate the public about, you know, what impacts suicide risk. Because like any other leading cause of death, um, whether we're talking about heart disease, you know there are things that we can do um, to identify someone who may be at increased risk for heart disease and protective factors that we can take to prevent someone from you know ha- having cardiac arrest. And the same can be true for suicide. And so when talking about suicide risk, we, we want to look at it in three main areas. And that's health factors, environmental factors, as well as historical factors. And, and these are the, the three categories we, we really put it into. And so when looking at health factors, we're looking at um, not just physical health, but mental health as well. All of the above is overall health. Um, so we're looking at, you know is somebody experiencing a mental health condition or do they have a history of mental health conditions? Um, whether or not they've been diagnosed is another story, but we really wanna consider what somebody may be experiencing, whether it's depression, Substance use um, or misuse, I should say, bipolar disease. Um, you know, I, I could go on, but considering mental health issues, but also looking at physical health. Is somebody experiencing chronic, you know, chronic pain or chronic illness? That can certainly impact suicide risk or have they had a traumatic brain injury? Um, the, other, the other second uh, column that we put these in, in terms of environmental factors, is does someone have access to lethal means? I know we talked about a a second ago, you know, crises moments are temporary. And so if we can remove lethal means from a, a moment of crisis, we know that we can limit someone's ability to make an attempt or die by suicide if we remove lethal means from the environment. So that's really important. But we also wanna look at has, has somebody been experiencing prolonged stress? Are they in a stressful environment? Have they had exposure to another suicide? Um, as we were talking about earlier, you know, talking about um, the means or you know, a sensationalized depiction of a suicide, whether it's in the media or you know, even you know, having exposure to a suicide in your personal life, that can certainly impact risk. Um, and then we also wanna look at historical factors
0: chumbacasino.com Jumba. No purchase necessary. Prohibited by law. Eighteen plus Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Really thinking about does this person have prior suicide attempts? Um, do they have a family history of suicide or family history of mental health conditions? Um, and do they have a history of childhood abuse, neglect, or trauma? And so all of these different things are things that we're taking into consideration and um, in really trying to determine, you know, if someone could be at increased risk
2: you've got a couple of featured programs and maybe you'd like to talk about one or a few of them talk saves lives it's, yeah. it's real and then more than sad so maybe address this because i've, I've read through them on the website <laughs> they're awfully extraordinary put together whether it's a documentary style or education but if you'd like to maybe share with our listeners a little bit more about one or a few of those that would that would be wonderful
1: I would love to do that. We have um, no shortage of programs in which we offer the community. And I, I always really like to emphasize that our programs are all evidence-based and founded in research. Cause that's something that we're incredibly proud of and it really speaks to the integrity of our programs as well too and the effectiveness of them. And so Talk Saves Lives is probably our most um, commonly presented program because it's really uh, appropriate for any adult audience. Um, And all of these programs I'm talking about, by the way, we present them at the chapter level, meaning you can go to our local chapter website or any chapter's website across the country, see what upcoming programs are happening, whether they're happening virtually online or we also present um, out in the community as well, uh, doing in-person programs now that we're coming out of the pandemic, yay. Um, But we also do them upon request. So we will come to your business, your community group. Your school. I mean, we do programs for middle schools, high schools, college age students, um, places of worship. I mean, really, you name it, we will come and present these for free, no cost. Um, we offer programs in English as well as Spanish as well as ASL uh, right now, and we're looking to expand all of that um, additionally. But back to talk saves lives. That's that's one of our most popular programs, and it's a really wonderful program because it is it's it's an introductory to suicide prevention. It's it's all the things that you and I are talking about today, understanding it as a complex health issue, understanding, you know, how many people this impacts, you know, the statistics that you shared earlier, because I think a lot of people have been affected by suicide or experienced, you know, a, a personal struggle um, or ideation, or maybe an attempt survivor and don't share that. And so a lot of us don't realize That the majority of Americans will be impacted by a suicide at some point in their life because a lot of people um, grieve or struggle in silence. And and I think it's really important for us to know that you know there's there's a big community out there and and we certainly want to share you know that it's okay and you know we all have mental health let's let's be real everyone does. Um, And so we want to we want to create that community of support. But it also goes over at the risk factors, the warning signs, the interventions, what everyday people like you and me um, can do to learn how to spot someone who's at risk, identify it, but also how to reach out and support someone who may be struggling. Because I think in a a Gallup poll, it was something like 96 or 98% of Americans would want to help someone that they thought was at risk. And and. I do wonder who the other two to 4% of the population is, but i thinking about that, that statistic to think of 96 or 98% of Americans agreeing on anything these days, that's really a fantastic statistic right there. And so that being said, you may want to help somebody, but you may not know how because it could be a very awkward conversation. So, learning how to reach out to someone, how to support them, how to have a real conversation that's actually helpful to what the person may be experiencing, and also how to find them support if they if they are struggling themselves. Um, and so, talk saves lives. It's a it's a wonderful program. It's it's great for a lunch and learn. It's forty five minutes to an hour, um, and like I said, it's for any adult. Audience, it's, it's fantastic. And we have different modules for different populations, too. We have a module for the LGBTQ community um, who is at, at higher risk for suicide. Uh, the firearms owning community, and it is not a political program. We just want to work with the firearms owning community to make sure that they know all of this wonderful information uh, to, to, to learn about suicide risk and prevention. Um, we've got a version for workplace environments. Uh, We have a version in Spanish. We have a version for seniors, meaning aging adults. Um, But in addition to Talk Saves Lives, we've got an abundance of other programs as well, too, for a variety of demographics. And and one of my favorite programs that I love so much is our It's Real program. And we actually have two different modules of It's Real. Um, One is for teens. it's It's Real Teens and Mental Health. And another one is for college students, and that's it's real college students and mental health. And they're just wonderful programs to teach young people in high school and college age about mental health, about resilience. That's such a wonderful part of this. Is you know, we may struggle from time to time, but what can we do to be proactive? To keep ourselves healthy, to address mental health issues we may be experiencing, you know that, that transition from high school to college, or graduating from college and you know going out into the workforce, or whatever you may be doing with life, uh, that could that could be really challenging for a lot of people. And so we really want to support the younger community to make sure that you know as they move out of their home and they go off to. You know, college or elsewhere you know whatever they end up doing in their adult life that they're prepared and have the tools to have that you know a resiliency to them um, and, and to protect themselves but we also have another program for youth as well called more than sad which is for eighth through twelfth graders uh, but we also have a module that's for parents uh, and other caring adults to make sure that parents are educated about this as well because we know that you know not just teaching youth but you know if this is a community-wide effort the more people that are aware of, of, of suicide prevention and what we can all do and how we can play a role the more we can save lives and so we really want to make sure that we're educating parents to to be able to spot suicide risk in their in their children and warning signs certainly um but also teachers administrators you know coaches uh you know in sports um people who are, are anyone who's working in the schools or in a youth-based environment it's so vital to get that information out there because you never know, it could be the bus driver who's hearing a conversation um, of a child that's sitting behind them. And so we really wanna get all of these programs out there into a variety of different environments. And I could go on and on all day. There's no shortage of stuff that we do. And I know that we only have 30 minutes, but you can find this and so much more on our website at AFSP.org. You can find them through your local chapters um and you can certainly we've got a lot of resources in addition to educational programs as well so a lot of this information is just accessible online as well
2: Well thank you for sharing uh, all of that Ellen those those programs sound remarkable I did want to dovetail on something because when I talk to a lot of nonprofits we've come so far not only with my autoimmune disease but with suicide prevention and When it comes, and God forbid this happens to a family, whether it's in the inner circle or maybe a a cousin or you know a friend or something like that, is there something that families or friends can do to reach out to you and be able to relate to other families that are going through this? Because I think one of the things, the reason I ask that, is being able to relate that you're not the only person in the world that has gone through something horrifying. Ellen, is really important to talk about that and to relate. And so how can people address that with you?
1: Yeah. So it, so let's say you have a loved one who's struggling, uh, which can certainly be a challenge, right? You have someone who's struggling with ideation or maybe an attempt survivor. We have a wonderful program called Supporting Those at Risk. Um, And that's really working with a community that you know their loved ones are really struggling and and wanting to work with that community to help educate them of how they can actively support those who are at increased risk for suicide. But we also have um, an abundance of programs specifically for survivors of suicide loss. Um, We know that suicide loss is an incredibly difficult and complicated and unique type of grief. Um, We also know that statistically speaking, those who have experienced a suicide loss are also at increased risk themselves for suicide. And and contagion certainly is a concern for us when it comes to suicide. And so we here at AFSP, we welcome survivors, we welcome everyone, but we really wanna encourage anyone who has been affected by suicide, particularly for survivors of loss, come and be a part of our community. We're a voluntary organization at the chapter level. And so there's a lot of opportunities to engage with our chapters, volunteer, and get to know other people who have been through similar experiences of yourself. But we also have programs for law survivors, um, two that I will touch on. Um, one is our uh, Survivor Day event, which happens every single year. It's always the Saturday before Thanksgiving. Um, so this is an annual event. We have, I believe, more than 500 Survivor Day events actually all across the world are hosted by AFSP. Um, I know that our chapter co-hosted one in Korea a few years ago on a base out there, um, on an Air Force base in Korea, which was very cool. Uh, One of our board members here at National Capital, our military and veterans outreach chair, actually, he was stationed out there. Loved the program so much, he brought one to Korea, which was just so fantastic. That's
2: huge. That's absolutely huge. Um,
1: It was incredible. Um, And this year we have um, Survivor Day is November 19th. And throughout the National Capital Area, we have several chapter events that we're we're hosting here. But again, if you're listening elsewhere, you can go to AFSP.org slash Survivor Day. Find, you know, a Survivor Day wherever you may be. Um, But here we have one happening in Prince William County, one in Loudoun County, one in Falls Church. One in the District of Columbia, and actually I know we were talking about college students earlier, we have a student group at George Washington University, and so uh, George Washington University will host, be hosting a Survivor Day event, and I know that many years Gallaudet University hosts Survivor Day events as well too, and we will be launching um, our first military uh, specific Survivor Day event this year as well. Um, and so the Survivor Day is really an opportunity for survivors of suicide loss to come together, um, to see that they're part of a community to support one another. We usually show a film. Um, often events have guest speakers. There's an opportunity to share about your experience. There's always an activity to honor your loved one. Um, it's really just a very special day of remembrance. and. And we particularly, the the reason is uh, the Saturday before Thanksgiving is that we know that the holidays can be a really tough time for survivors of suicide loss. And so we really, before we head into the holiday season, we really just want to support one another and have an event where we can come together um, and support survivors of suicide loss. But another program that we have that I I love is our Healing Conversations program. And this is a peer-to-peer program that we have. Where if you are a survivor of suicide loss and you want to speak to someone who's gone through a similar experience as yourself, um, a similar type of loss, um, whether it's a relationship or, or whatever it may be, we have trained volunteers all across the United States that are also survivors of suicide loss. And, and these volunteers go through a training of how to facilitate healing conversations. But we can pair you up with a fellow loss survivor to have a conversation, to share your experiences. And the volunteers on our end, um, they're at least two years out from their loss. They've, you know, they've gone through support groups and they've reached out to various resources and they're very educated on how to navigate your grief um, following a loss and where you can find support to to heal. And um, that's a wonderful program. And you can certainly find more about that through AFSP.org. And there's just a little application online and you just fill it out and you say, hey, I'd like to have a conversation and we will find someone and, and, and pair you up and make that happen.
2: Thank you for sharing that all of it, Ellen. I really appreciate it. So volunteering programs, events, updates, Circle of Hope and donations. Very important, everybody. And uh, i we only have about a minute left, but when people donate to the national capital area, I get people want to know where their money goes. Can you explain that very quickly for us, Ellen?
1: Yes. So if you give through the national capital area chapter, 50% of the money goes to AFSP at the national level, meaning it goes to fund those research grants that I was talking about. It goes to the development of all the programs and resources that we're talking about, because that happens by the leading experts in the field at the national level is that's where who AFSP is, what we are comes from. But 50% of it also will stay here in the national capital area chapter Um, and the area that we cover to provide those programs, to provide those resources, to have that community impact. And I really look at all of our chapters as we are where the rubber meets the road. Research is great, but if we're not getting those findings and those resources and those programs out into the community through our chapters, What's the point? So, you know, we are, we are here to serve all of these things. Again, they're at no cost and it's made possible thanks to those donations. Um, So if you want to support, uh, you can do it through a variety of ways. Um, You can go to our website at uh, our local website is AFSP.org slash N C A C for national capital area chapter. You can become a circle of hope member and give a gift there, but we also have events all year long. We, you know, we just came out of community walk season in September and October, where we had uh, our at the darkest community walks in Manassas, Loudon, Fairfax and DC, but we also have campus walks that happen at high schools and universities throughout the school year. And then in the spring, we've got Hike for Hope, Pause for Prevention, and we have a golf tournament. I mean, there's no shortage of ways that you can engage and support. So please check out our, our, our chapter website. We've got a lot going on. Uh, you can become a volunteer through there. You can connect with our chapter. My email's up on there if you wanna reach out to me and ask any questions. Um, we've, we've got a lot, a, a lot of ways that you can engage and we certainly want you to become a part of our community.
2: Ellen Shannon is the executive director of the National Capital Area for Suicide Prevention, and I can't tell you how much we appreciate your valuable time and all the wonderful uh, work that you and your team are doing on your angels, and uh, we're going to keep up this relationship that my predecessor, Bernie Lucas, had and talk to you regularly, but thank you so much for your time, and we really appreciate you joining us on a Sunday for uh, Community D.C. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much, Jonas. I appreciate everything that you're doing to help get out there and be the voice for suicide prevention. And thank you for sharing your stories and um, making today possible. I, I have no doubt this conversation will make an impact.
0: Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.